I thought that this was something that only, you know, special people, only the fit people, only the beautiful people could achieve. If I can turn being a pageant queen into something good for my career, then you can be as feminine as you want to be. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for the Run the Race podcast. Uh, we've been here with you for the last uh, three plus years, and now we're in a new year. This is uh, the second episode of 2023, but our first guest of the year and a lot of exciting things. I know maybe some of you made resolutions or goals. We're going to talk about that on this episode, because if you've already failed the first few, first few days, don't worry about it. You can get back on the horse. We're going to talk to uh, Angie Damadia Vith about that. She's uh, done a lot of exciting things in her life. Um, she was in Columbus, Georgia for a little while, which is where I am now, but now she lives out West in Colorado, where she probably sees a lot more snow than we do here in Georgia and Alabama. I want to introduce you to her. Uh, she has her uh, education. She has her BS in exercise physiology from Columbus State University. Again, we're right here south of Atlanta currently working on her MS in space policy from Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. And if you think that sounds impressive, it is. Uh, she has numerous CrossFit certifications, level one and two, CrossFit endurance and CrossFit weightlifting. She is currently uh, an active duty Army space officer, a captain with the 1st Space Brigade, the only space unit in the entire Army. Again, she's in Fort Carson, Colorado. We're going to talk to her about what that means, this uh, this space unit with tactical command because people think is that the space force well, we'll we'll explain that she was previously with the satellite operations brigade as a lieutenant with the second infantry combat team for the uh, fourth id and uh she grew up playing sports and uh was even on the all army softball team in 2017 was a bodybuilding competitor for several years uh, even uh, placing second in the Arnold Amateur in Columbus, Ohio in 2018. And then she was teaching some group fitness classes. We're going to talk about, you know, what, what you can do fitness-wise. Um, she was doing spin, kick, step instructing for several years, and then began running marathons like I do. Um, and uh, then that led to half Ironmans and eventually full Ironman, which really opened up a lot of doors for her. Uh, she is also, um, you know, kind of away from the fitness realm, but th there's some fitness involved here. She won the United States of America, Miss Colorado in 2019, and then won it again in 2020. And she has coached at places here in town, Uncommon Athletes, and, um, and also uh, worked at Ride on Bikes, so helping people get fit in all kinds of ways. And uh, this is something we're going to talk to her about as well. She's a national spokesperson for Angels of America's Fallen, where they honor fallen heroes by serving gold star family. So she has lived a full life already and she's got a lot more to do. So uh, Angie Damadia V, thank you so much for uh, being with us today. Thank you for having me. It's quite yeah. an honor. Thanks. You, you can record that intro, right? For for the future, you'll have that. That's a, a lot of stuff, right? Yeah, I love it. I love it. I'm, <laughs> I'm humbled to hear that. It sounds like someone else's, you know. <laughs> Well, first of all, you know, I want to talk to you about, um, you know, how you got into the army and, and how fitness and, and everything else plays a role in that and, and doing pageants and coaching folks and, and, um, and also helping you honor, you know, gold star families. But I wanted to start off with, you know, we are about a week into the new year, 2023. A lot of folks have those goals. I don't really like to call them resolutions, but just have goals, small or big. So as someone that's, you know, done some big fitness challenges, someone that's coached and, uh, and watched people, whether it be military or outside the military doing these things, 
what encouragement would you give to folks as we, you know, try to meet these goals in the new year? Um, you know, I would tell people, or as I do all the time, yes, I've completed an Ironman and ran many marathons, but I will never forget the first 5k that I couldn't run. <laughs> and it was one day I just decided, uh, to start running. Now I had grew up playing sports and grew up, um, doing all kinds of things, but you know, like when you get out of college, you kind of, I don't know, somewhere you turn into an adult and then you just kind of <laughs> forget about all these things. And I realized I was like, I need to start running again. And I will never forget that first 5k. I couldn't run. I had to walk. And I think people who are starting out, who know that like, I can't even run a mile right now. Um, there are a lot of people out there who have accomplished amazing things like in marathon running and in I remember a half Ironman seeing these two swimmers really close to each other. And I was like, why are they swimming so close? And like, one of my girlfriends said, one of those guys is blind and he's doing this half Ironman on a swim bike run blind. And so, and in marathon running, you see people running with prosthetics and I, you really just say like, you are so much more capable than what you know. And it is one of the healthiest things that you can do mentally is to get out there and prove that your body is capable of things that you never imagined. It is quite a journey. And I will tell people like, don't be afraid to fail because you will fail every single day <laughs> until you cross that finish line. I promise. Uh, but you, you know, like I look at it as a small win in my pocket. I get out there and say, I ran one mile today. Or if you finally get to the point where you say, I ran one mile without stopping to walk, that is a huge win in your pocket. And after a while, these wins like accumulate. And I say, you know, that's, that's a slow development of self-confidence and that type of confidence and accomplishment in your own mind opens doors. We think it's just about fitness, but it isn't. And I tell people, you will never meet someone who is at the peak of their athletic performance who is self-conscious or who isn't successful in many areas of their life. And so I say to people, fitness for me anyways, played that type of role in that it got me the momentum, uh, the confidence and like the proof that I could accomplish anything. And just because fitness isn't the same as your education, the endurance is the day in and day out focus, same thing as going to school, right? Um, even like raising children, you know, like there, you will be tested in every single way possible in ways that you might not have been prepared to be tested. Um, and in your fitness journey, and if you know that you can do this, you start looking at your life differently. You say there, if I can raise this child, sometimes people say, that, if I can raise this child there, I can do anything. You know, if you can run a marathon, you can do anything. If you can run a 5k, you just dial it in a little bit each day. And it's just a matter of time. When I was training for Ironman, I was obsessed with thinking about that finish line. And I knew that I was becoming an Ironman at that moment. I didn't start becoming an Ironman when the race started. You start becoming who you want to be when you work at it every single day, because that's what it takes to become that person. And to become that achiever is the work. And it's fun. Honestly, it sucks at first, but a few months in, 
and your clothes fit a little bit looser and your skin is clear because you've been drinking a ton of water and eating more healthy and getting more sleep because you're tired and you actually go to bed at eight o'clock or nine o'clock when you're supposed to. Um, and when you look in the mirror for that first time, you're like, wow, I've really had to dial in my schedule, my food. Um, I'm not wasting time on my phone scrolling and I'm paying more attention. I'm like getting in that family time because I know my time is limited and you start prioritizing things that are important. It, that discipline falls into every aspect of life. And, and it's such a, a mental thing as well, you know, uh, sports, fitness, really anything you do. So, you know, you were talking about how sometimes, you know, you should expect to or challenge yourself where maybe you're going to have failure and it could be time and time again. So what would you say to folks about getting back up again? And like, so some people just get discouraged and they say, well, uh, that goal's done. I, I, I can't do it anymore. It's, you know, um, I'm too far behind or, you know, I'm not good enough. What would you say to folks about how to kind of pick yourself up off the mat? Uh, there, I don't think that there's such thing as someone being not good enough. Uh, and resiliency is a tool, again, that can help you in, in every part of your life. And, you know, one of the questions that the judges asked me at the pageant was, you have this list of accomplishments you know, like, like the list that you listed off, they had that same bio. And she said, tell me about some of your failures. And I was like, Every, those are like seven days of my life where I was a winner. And every single day in between, I worked and I had to stay focused and I made mistakes, you know, like, I, and I, t I want people to know that <clears throat> there is no one on earth. I don't care what type of persona they put off. There is no one who has made a straight line to success. And especially me, I have zigzagged and gone around in circles and started over all the time. And I think that as long as you, I, I say like move the ball, as long as you move that ball one more inch toward the goal line, you won that day. And you really have to start looking at silver linings, you know, like, I have been training for a marathon and got injured. You know, I'd been training for like 15 weeks, right? And you had like a couple 20 mile runs in there. I got injured. I couldn't do it. And I've had someone say, aren't you like upset that you wasted all that time and all that training? I was like, no, like I, I get that why they said that, but those 15 weeks challenged me and it made me better. And I, again, you had to prioritize so much stuff. And you're always a better person for having pride. You're always a better person um, for having, you know, given yourself that challenge. There's no way that you can fail if you are slowly making yourself into the person that you want to be. And the only way to not become that person is to give up. And I think, you know, that's the real failure is, is giving up. And as long as, you know, you might not feel like you're making any progress. Um, Anybody that's ever swam open water, sometimes you swim against the current and it will mess with your mind when you're giving it all you have and you look over and the current's going against you and you're like, I am swimming dead still right now. And you think that you are, but you're not. If people are working so hard and they think that they're not getting anywhere, I promise you, you are. It just hasn't revealed itself yet. And the test is for you to be proficient and maintain your pace, maintain your goals. And the, the finish line exists to everyone. And I think it's fun sometimes to give yourself like a checkpoint 
and in the marathon training, we call it running in the box, right? The finish line's way down the road, miles away, but you see this stop sign down the road and you're like, I'm going to run to that stop sign. And then you run to the stop sign and then you find another goal and you're like, I'm going to do this, right? And that keeps you sane for 26 miles, you know? And I tell people like, if you're in this like metaphorically like marathon that you're running through life, just these little goals that will give you a time frame like one week. Don't look at six months down the road. If you can do, if you can repeat, I mean, even a day in bodybuilding, it is like you take it day by day because I can't prep meals six months down the road and only prep meals, you know, just a day at a time and like testing yourself every single day. It's a, it's like a fun game after a while, you know, you say I can. And honestly, it, it gives you a realization that I'm in control of my life, not a diagnosis from a doctor, not people at work that are pulling you away from your family, not traffic, not any, you know, if you prepare yourself for all these obstacles that are going to come, you realize that you are in control of every blessing that you have coming your way. And it's just up to you to get out there and, and get it. Yeah. That, that's well said. I mean, you got to keep working on, keep, keep on the grind and, uh, and not really kind of think about, well, I didn't do that as well as I wanted to, or I could have, but you're always kind of moving, moving the ball down the field and not being stagnant. So I think that's, that's well said. And, you know, you grew up playing sports, you played college softball and, and um, so tell me about, was health and fitness, was that any part of the reason why you joined the army? Like, I mean, how long, how many years have you been in the army now? Yeah, there's a couple of questions wrapped into one big question right there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I grew up, <clears throat> I say like, I'm going to go back up. I grew up really, really poor. And when I say poor, the poor kids in school called us poor. That's how poor we were. <laughs> and we didn't have a ton of stuff. And my mother had diabetes, so she was unable to work for a lot of my life, most of my life. Um, and she was diagnosed with diabetes whenever I was two years old. So my whole life, I grew up with my mother having to, you know, measure her carbohydrates and take her insulin appropriately. Um, there is some obesity in my family. And I think that I just had it exposed to me. And this is going to sound really morbid. And I, when you have a family member with diabetes, you are slowly watching their body, um, give up on them over time. And so there were all these issues. It was, it was complications of diabetes throughout my life that I, I walked with my, with my mother. And I think it just exposed me to what, it looks like when your body doesn't work the way that it's supposed to. And I didn't want that to happen to me. I mean, that's something that and like could be genetically predisposed to. And so my first like research paper in nutrition, I was like in the sixth grade and uh, <laughs> I like, st I had like my dad's sweatsuits and I stuffed them with pillows and I was like, heavy. And then I said, I'm going to change my life. And I started doing push-ups like while I'm making this video, I'm um, talking about health and nutrition. And eventually I had like all the fellows out in like a, you know, an athletic outfit. And it's this you know, is you like, uh, like thir 13 years old or something like that. Yeah. I, I, I was 12. <laughs> and, um, 
I, I was really proud of that. I worked really hard on that video. I, you know, thank goodness that the world didn't exist like it does today. Cause it's probably would be all over the internet. But um, <laughs> that was the first time I ever like really spent weeks and weeks and weeks doing nutritional research at 12. And then uh, I was just always aware of sugar and things like that. So I, uh, it's kind of been who I am my whole life. And with that, because my mother didn't work, um, my, she told me, and I was, I was five years old and out of everything that we didn't have in life, I never questioned whether or not she loved me. And I realize now as an adult, that that's, that's worth its weight in gold. You know, I was so blessed in that regard. Anyway. So she told me whenever I was nine or five years old, she said, your dad and I are not gonna be able to afford to send you to college. So if you're really into this softball then you need to make sure it pays for your school. And I know it sounds weird, but at five years old, I knew that I was going to play. I knew that sports were going to pay for my education. Yeah. And what she told me was two things. She told me to value the value, what a dollar is and means. She told me that my education wasn't a question of if I was going to go was that I, I need, I was going to go and that to use the gifts I've been given to bless my life. And I worked my whole life for that. And eventually it paid dividends. And, you know, we, I didn't have a lot in the, the glove that I used all throughout high school. I paid like 25 cents for at a flea market. And by the end of my senior year, my cleats were like held together with duct tape, but I got a scholarship <laughs> and it, it paid off. And it was some of the best memories of my life um, playing college ball with the friends I've made. And that level of fitness really opened the door. And I didn't join the army right away. I actually worked at a bank for a while. And it was when I was sitting behind a desk and gaining weight that I realized I need to start running. So, um, that it was 27, I was 27, 26. Whenever I swore in, I turned 27 in uh, AIT or advanced individual training. So I was a little bit older, but that was part of it. Um, once I started getting back into fitness, I like one thing led to another and I wanted, you know, I was teaching group fitness then I was teaching spin and I said, I got to actually ride a bike if I'm going to, uh, you know, be teaching a spin class. So, uh, and that's where I met Jason was along that journey. Um, Jason McKenzie from ride on bikes and he and the manager at the time, Garrett, uh, allowed me to work at the shop with them. So I learned a lot about the cycling discipline of a triathlon and, uh, that's where I was when I completed an Ironman. It was, uh, Jason played a big role in that support. So. Yeah. Jason McKenzie was a guest on the podcast here last year, kind of shared the story, um, about, you know, his, um, his wife and, and, and her death and just, uh, you know, the emotional roller coaster he's been on and how he's been on this really kind of, um, journey of, preaching kindness for, for years now. Um, and you never know what somebody else is going through. And, and for you, you know, you talk about joining the military a, a little later, maybe non-traditional, but what, um, has the military and the army, has it, um, taught you some things, you know, related to health and fitness or just life in general that you feel like that, like, listen, if I hadn't joined the army, I wouldn't know this about myself everything. <laughs> the military, for anyone that's out there thinking that they might want to join the military, I will tell you that it will, it will make you mature in ways that nothing else can. And I didn't realize how much I needed 
the military <laughs> uh, to whip me up into, into shape, um, you know, mind-wise. Uh, I do want to get into that. I want to tie into the fitness because I think it, there's an underlying theme in, in all of this. Um, the first marathon that I ran was the Soldier Marathon in Columbus, Georgia. Yeah, yeah well, you run you run on Fort Benning for part of it. You go up the hill, and the drill sergeants yelling at you, all that kind oh, of yeah, stuff. It's pretty great. <laughs> it's just actually really great. Um, it was the inaugural race, and I once I met people in the running community, I joined that race's committee. And on that on the Soldier Marathon committee, I became the Fallen Hero coordinator. And I was able to provide pictures, names, and little stories about who this fallen hero was, where they were from, and how they died. So runners, you know, when the, when the race gets hard, they can think about a fallen hero. That was my first introduction to uh, understanding what a gold star family is. And for listeners, I don't know, a gold star family is a family of a, a soldier who was passed away um, at, at war. And so uh, aside from that, it's just important to note as well of angels so much as there are a lot of families out there who might not by the military standing be considered gold star families um, because the service member died of suicide or they died of cancer or some other type of like toxic exposures that could have been you know, related to the military or their military experience. But anyways, all these families, um, when I met some families is when big stories of what I've heard and see, saw on the internet as I was doing my research, it became so real and it pulled on my heart in a way that I had never felt before. And I have journaled my entire life. I looked back through my journals and I was writing about that experience that day because it was so profound. And what, what I read in my journals over the last five years, I didn't even realize that I had been writing about potentially joining the military. And that was like kind of my confirmation that you know, my past self was telling me <laughs> that this is, this is what you need to be doing. You know, I grew up in a military town. My parents were Navy. Everyone walking around Plumish, Georgia is in the military, it seems. Um, and it's, it is, it's a community. And there were a lot of, there was a lot about the military I didn't understand. Um, even after, even having grown up in there. So I decided to join and I will tell you, I have grown in ways, uh, Name a subject, you know, <laughs> um, Jason will tell you probably my punctuality has <laughs> been the biggest improvement, but no, <laughs> I think I might've been late for work like every day. Well, well being on time and you, and obviously in the army, as, as a lot of people around here know, you, you're getting up early to do PT, which is not physical therapy. It's, it's you know, uh, physical training. Yeah. So, I mean, so that's something, I guess, discipline wise. I mean, it's like this, this is like clockwork. This is what we're going to do, you know? Yeah. I love that the military does PT in the morning. And I know some people hate that part maybe, but I think that it tells people it is a mindset of this is, it's like tithing. You, you tithe your first 10%. And if you, because that's important of, of how you're going to live your life. So if you tithe with your heart and lungs, the first, you know, a few hours of your day, and it doesn't matter how the rest of the, of the day goes, you are going to have your fitness in because that's the most important part of us being a lethal force, you know, in the military. And I think that's important. Um, I started incorporating that more and more into um, my bodybuilding training when 
um, on the times that I compete, I get all my cardio in. And I, you know, I say it's like a religious experience sometimes. Um, and had I known the level of professionalism um, before I joined the army, you know, who, who knows how my life would have ended up, but I'm so glad I learned it in the military. I have never met more successful, intelligent people um, than my time in the army. And it's, it's, I've, I have had a, a very fortunate experience where I've had excellent leadership throughout my time there. Yeah. And there's, you know, um, uh, a growing number of females that have joined the military in the last several years, um, a growing number of opportunities for females uh, in the army, uh, being able to be Rangers now and being more in combat um, as opposed to 10 years ago. And so, and there's, there's some misconceptions out there about the army. Like they may think, okay, the army is these, uh, you know, kind of, kind of maybe built guys with short haircuts and that kind of thing. And, and, you know, we have video of you that's going to be on our military matter story on WTVM, but you know, if people that don't see the video, you know, you are somebody with long blonde hair, maybe not the typical soldier, um, that, that maybe they see. So, you know, um, do you hope that like, you know, your story and the story of a lot of females in the army maybe uh, will help continue to break that glass ceiling and change people's perception about army and military? Yeah, you know, without even being part of military strategic messaging, you actually hit on a very important note that the message in, uh, in the army or that they are starting to see through reviews is, Women are worried about losing uh, their femininity by joining the military. And so they want to increase these female numbers. And I can, I can see why women from the outside looking in will say, I don't want to sacrifice these aspects of myself um, to have this career that actually sounds really cool. And, you know, my message uh, for women is if I can, if I can turn being a pageant queen into something good for my career, then you can be as feminine as you want to be, you know? And I, I say that it doesn't matter what you do in life. There's going to be a point where you're going to get your hands dirty. There's going to be a point where you're going to have to like say, okay, my security or my comfort zone is unimportant. And I have to do what I have to do to raise my family and pay my bills and, and do this. And I'll tell you that I've never had to worry about my bills or anything since I've been in the military. That's like an incredible blessing. And I'm fortunate that I grew up a bit of a tomboy. So when the days that we do get really dirty, um, yeah, that's what I have the most fun personally. <laughs> uh, yeah. There are some times where, you know, my hair isn't as pretty as it is today and then I don't have makeup and I've been sleeping, you know, in the woods under snow once before, but you, that's the story is in the struggle. One of my greatest mentors, uh, Cecil Chiefs tells me that he said, the story is in the struggle. And whereas some women think that they might lose their femininity, whenever I look back at my career, I have learned how to lead. I have learned how to be incredibly organized. I have learned more confidence that I've ever had in my life. So in many ways, when you apply those capabilities to a woman's life, I've actually become more of a woman <laughs> that I have like grown into that I loved and that I always wanted to be. And so I think that this is the opportunities for women today in the military, like 
there are women whose entire lives were spent for us to have this opportunity. You know, um, there's a female general in space force right now who has just got a, a promotion for three star and she's in charge of CIFSIC or the command forces uh, space center. And it is quite incredible what you can see female leaders do in today's force. And I think it's exciting and uh, hopefully people can see what, how, you know, like what women bring to the table in the military more and more. And I think the women who've completed Ranger school um, here these last couple of years are a perfect example of it. I think they are absolute reasons to celebrate. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I wanted to I'd ask you next about that space unit, but uh, chiefs who uh, obviously uh, he led the soul marathon here in this area for Benning Columbus for 10 years. Uh, cancer survivor. He was actually my very first podcast guest three years ago, really? uh, kind of right before the the final soldier marathon. So you should check check that out. And uh, and so, uh, but before I ask you about the space unit, so being USOA Miss Colorado 2019 and then Mrs. Colorado in 2020, did you um, your fellow soldiers did they give you a hard time about that, or were they cheering you on, or were they like kind of ribbing you about it? I mean, I don't know what what was their reaction. Well, let me tell you how it came about. <laughs> I was not a pageant person. I've never been in the pageant scene. Um, definitely, I was more, you know, softball player, army tomboy than I was a pageant girl. And I had, uh, I was already doing all this work for Angels of America's Pond. Um, I was already doing a ton of volunteer stuff. And the pageant director had saw some pictures of me um, competing in bodybuilding, which is a pageant for fit girls, you know, and she asked me if I wanted to compete. And I was like, no, that's not really, you know, my thing. And she was telling me that she thought I'd be good at it. And I asked her like, well, what's the incentive? She's, cause she asked, she said, do the judges and bodybuilding know that you, you know, volunteer and do all this stuff. Do they know that you're in the army? Do they know all these things? I was like, no, that's not what they judge. You know, and she said, judges and pageantry do care about that. And she said, and the winner wins money for their charity of choice. And I had no idea that charity had anything to do with pageantry. I didn't, I thought that the girls just wanted to be pretty and see who was the prettiest. That's what I thought it was about. That's not necessarily what it's about. So I said, you got me, let's sign it up. So I go to my commander um, of the 52nd Brigade Engineer Battalion, um, Lieutenant Colonel Larry Workman. And I said, sir, I, he knew I did all this volunteer work. I said, I found a way to raise money for angels of America's fallen and I need your support. And it's going to take some time away from work potentially. And he said, what do you got? He said, mm -hmm. I'll support you. What do you got? <laughs> you know? And I said, it's a pageant. And he was like, okay, let's do this. And so I actually, I had to get a legal review. Um, because, you know, you have to make sure just like right now that I'm introducing myself in my personal capacity and not in a professional way, you know. And so I got a legal review and I competed and I won. Um, I didn't win the part of the pageant for like People's Choice Award is who wins the money for charity. But I was able to use this new platform over the last couple of years um, to really shine a, a new light on angels. And I've worked with them. Um, and I, and I, at a higher level ever since that experience. And so I think once my 
fellow soldiers and peers, um, they never voiced it to me if they like rolled their eyes about it. But I think when they saw that I was using that platform to represent Gold Star families and honor fallen heroes and tell their stories, uh, I think they just kind of were like, okay, that's cool, you know. And, uh, you know, you were talking about being a part of different brigades and, and uh, the 2nd uh, Infantry Combat Team for the 4th ID and others. But now, I mean, well, I mean, recently, I guess years ago, we had a thing created called the Space Force. And so, but you're not um, a part of that. You're talking about yours is an Army Space Unit with Tactical Command. It's run by Space Command. So tell me about that, how, what, what, you, what you guys do and what it has to do with space, I guess. Uh, I'm going to give it to you in a nutshell. <laughs> space Force and Space Command, it's a common misconception. And you honestly have to be involved in that world to, to understand. It's kind of uh, anyone's like barometer of like knowing what's happening. Because even those of us that are in it are still learning because it changes all the time. So let me, I'll explain it real quick. So you're not going to go to Mars anytime, I guess. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I would totally sign up to go if I could, though, you know. Yeah, sure. um, sure. But Space Command uh, is a joint command and a, a combatant command, what we call a combatant command. For example, um, after 9-11, Northern Command stood up and it's a, that is based here out of Colorado Springs. And the general that's in charge of that is any conflict that happens in Canada or North America, that is that general's um, area of, of expertise where they lead. So we have these combatant commands all around the world. Indo-PACOM, AFRICOM, Southern Command, you know, et cetera. So <clears throat> Space Command has an area of responsibility that is not on the planet, but 100 kilometers above sea level and out. And so all of our assets, what a lot of people don't realize about the Army is that in an infantry combat team, there's over 2,500 assets that are space reliant. So all of our Blue Force trackers, which is a device that allows a commander to see where all of his people are on a map, our GPS guided munitions, our satellite communication, so over the horizon communication, all that is satellite enabled. And other aspects of space control are enabled. I say space control. Um, everything that we do in this unit for the army is we enable the warfighter to communicate, move and shoot more effectively. And that is protecting our assets in space and defending them. And so uh, what space command does is that is the general's area of responsibility that anything that happens through there with those, they have to confirm and allow us uh, the ability to protect that. Now space force is a, is its own entity like Air Force, Army, Navy. Right. And you'll have people from all the different branches of the military who work together in Space Command at being a joint command and then Space Force being different. Um, wow. Well that, well, that does that does explain it. So you're, you're protecting those assets that are, you know, kind of way up there satellite wise, technology wise, that allows the Army to pretty much uh, protect our freedom, you know. And, and uh, but a lot, a lot of different ways that they do that. Yeah. And that's <laughs> what <I'm actually> <laughs> so, um, and, and, uh, for you, you know, um, you know, you were talking about, I do want to talk to you a little bit more about uh, angels of America's fallen. Um, because we obviously have a lot of gold star families that are connected to Fort Benning where we are. 
um, unfortunately. And, and you were talking about that, that, um, that, that area of soldier marathon that you would run, um, kind of, you run past it, I think twice, but mostly at the end where you see all those pictures, I'm not sure if they called it the blue mile, but I know I ran the Marine Corps marathon and they had a, a whole mile dedicated to that where they would have a similar thing with flags set up and pictures of the fallen. And it would be a reminder for you. Okay. Well, like if you think it's bad for you, think about what it's like for this family that lost a son or a daughter, um, you know, in a blink of an eye, maybe they were 20 years old or whatever. Um, so it's, it's a, a reminder. And I think that we need to remind ourselves how important the military and the sacrifice that people make. Um, so, you know, angels of America's fallen. I know you're, you, you're a spokesperson for them and have raised money for them, whether it be for the pageant or whatever else. Tell me about um, how can folks get involved with that? And what exactly does that uh, nonprofit do? Um, well, first, let me talk about what they do. <clears throat> so kind of real people in, just like you said, we have these families that are left over from, you know, tragic events of war. And regardless of how that service member died, those children suffered a 100% loss of a parent. And so what we have now is a single parent who is trying to raise these children. And like sports did for me growing up, when you're a single parent and having to drive that extra time to practice the extra expenses that go with it, that adds up. And it isn't always the easiest thing to maintain your, for your children. But like sports is that teaches you leadership, discipline, you know, organizational skills, how to lose sometimes, you know, and then uh, the thrills and confidence you get from winning all these lessons are invaluable to life. And so angels of America's fallen ensures that they support the dreams of those children um, and funding those extracurricular activities. And so when children come into the program, depending on how old that child is, um, the number of years from their current age until their 19th birthday, they set aside money for that child all the way up through throughout their childhood until they reach 19 years old. And then they're able to like reach out to other organizations as far as like, you know, scholarships and stuff like that. Cause there's a ton of those that exist. Thank goodness. But for the children, while they grow up and become that individual and that young adult, um, they help foster their dreams. And, you know, I've seen kids who are as young as like seven, eight years old, get up in front of a room of, you know, 400 people and play the guitar. And there's one girl who's like this nationally competitive hula dancer. And we have singers and ice skaters and pianists. I mean, these kids are incredible. And it's, it's such a, such an honor to watch their life blossom because of the efforts of angels of America's fallen and the families that come together, you know, these kids, it's, I think it's healthy for them to meet other children who are like them, who've lost a parent, you know, because you're an anomaly, really. You know, we think of like the 1% of America that serves and you have this even like minute, even like smaller percentage of these gold star families. And so I think it's healthy for them to meet other children like them and they can really relate to them in other ways too. And uh, so how can folks get involved with, I mean, what, I, I don't know if you, maybe if they need volunteers or money or what's needed really. Well, I will tell you that in every charity, they need money. Okay. <laughs> that is the truth behind this fundraising. You know, um, I don't know what the exact number is right now, but there is always a wait list of children. 
like I said, when they bring a child in, they calculate how many years they have left until their 19th birthday. And they set aside that money. They won't bring a child in until they have all the funding for that child until their 19th birthday, which is good because they don't want to like cut funding for, you know, whatever reason. So each year as we raise money, that list shortens and then, you know, things happen and then that list grows. So the, the number is always moving, but I want to say um, at our biggest fundraiser last year, there was like 300 kids on the wait list. Mm. And, that, and that fundraiser will knock that list down quite a bit. The kids are always being added to the list, right? So our goal, hopefully one day is to have zero people on the waiting list and then to even have money set aside for when children come, we already have the funding. Now, uh, they have fundraisers. They are stationed here out of Colorado Springs, which I think is a miracle in itself that of all the places around the world I could have been sent to, this is where I was sent. And a lot of their fundraisers are here, but you can donate anytime you want. You can go to Angels of America's Fallen and you can see their mission statement. You can see pictures and stories of the children that are involved. Um, I do this one fundraiser each year. That's a, It's a satellite deal where... Um, we raise money throughout the month of October for a team and you win like Chick-fil-A meals and they call it chicken for a year, but it's like a meal ticket to Chick-fil-A for one week, uh, 52 times. So throughout the year, which is fun, but always supporting everything that they do, especially at our big fundraiser, the annual gala, it is uh, broadcasted um, live. So you can always watch it from afar if you want to see interviews of the big sponsors that are there for the gala or some of the families we interview. So you can actually get to, you know, see and meet uh, with me as I do the interviews on the red carpet. You can meet some of the families that are involved in the program. And it's a way to actually see where your money's going and hear the testimonies of those families. Wow. And I love the name angels of America's fallen. I mean, it's so, so appropriate. Um, well, as we kind of land the plane a little bit on our, our podcast chat, um, I, I did want to ask you also about, uh, when you sent me your bio information, you said the, you know, the Ironman talking about kind of just widening like your horizons and, and getting involved in something, you know, with all that, those, all those things that led up to you being, you know, running and fitness and then eventually doing an Ironman, which you probably never thought was, was in your purview and uh, doing that full Ironman uh, really opened the door for you to realize what's possible. So kind of go into that a little bit about, because folks may be thinking, you know, that, like may they make small goals, um, which is good to do, especially, you know, so you can kind of keep growing those, but that this is a big goal, like a full Ironman, um, which takes people who knows 12 to 15 hours to complete. Um, what, um, how did that change you in maybe a lot of aspects of life? Well, you know, I mentioned earlier that I, I grew up really poor and my mother was sick and, the neighborhood that we grew up in didn't have uh, anyone graduating college. There was, the education level was pretty, pretty low. There was a lot of drugs in the neighborhood and no one was truly reaching a self-actualization in life. And I never saw anything, didn't have that example set for me. So as I grew up, as I played sports, I kind of started to realize, okay, I'm, I've moved this ball a little bit at a time. And, but I still would think that these types of accomplishments were impossible or for people with, you know, that were gifted genetically and 
and, or had the money to do it or, you know, like everything where how I grew up was survival mode essentially. So when I got into more of a community of people who were more fitness minded, and that's what like, that's why running like signing up for a five K versus going out and running all by yourself. There is a difference, I think, because you see people who are accomplishing life goals and you build friends who have similar interests, excuse me. And you have people around you with a different mindset. And I learned through those people like, you know, Cecil and my friends that I met growing up through there is that my whole mindset was not how it should have been. I thought that this was something that only, you know, special people, only the fit people, only the beautiful people could achieve. And that's not true. Anybody can do an Ironman. And I know that people are like, Angie, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm telling you, I have seen the cheapest, crappiest bikes on the Ironman lineup. I've seen people who are obese finishing an Ironman. Anybody can do it. And you don't have to have an Ironman as a goal. I mean, you can do, you can have any small goals, but I promise you, uh, when I crossed that finish line and I was like, I just did it. And I don't think I ever realized that it, I mean, it was never a hundred percent real until I finished. Right. I think realizing that I was like, wow, I just had to work hard for it. You know, just like everything else in my life, I had to work really hard. I had to sacrifice, I had to prioritize. And then when I realized, I, I don't know why, but this is just how it was. I've learned, I've learned otherwise now in life, that label was so important to me. And I think it was something to like prove maybe to myself um, or other people that I could accomplish things that other people dream about. And then when I realized that I could do that, I'm like, I could apply that to any area of my life. And that was, I think that's what really gave, or it helped. It was a key into my confidence of, uh, of joining the military and believing that I could, you know, finish officer training and actually be a decent officer in the military. So, uh, so what's next for, uh, for Angie uh, is, I mean, do you, uh, you know, you won a pageant, several pageants a few years ago, you ran this Ironman a decade ago, you've, um, you know, had a great military career so far. So what's, what's next? Do we have a new challenge that's kind of, kind of on the horizon or? Yeah. Jason, I knew you were going to ask me this question. (laughs) (laughs) See, I didn't, I didn't give you that question ahead of time. So I, um, I think it's going to be the biggest accomplishment of my life. Oh. And, uh, my husband and I haven't quite made the announcement yet. Um, but we are currently pregnant. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. I don't, uh, we have lost some, um, a, a pregnancy in the past. And so, uh, if listeners are out there, you know, whatever your belief is, send me a prayer, send me some love or good vibes. Um, you know, I'm what they consider high risk. I'm 37 years old. I'll be 38 on the delivery date, uh, or by the time I deliver. And so this is something that I think out of all the things that I've accomplished as a woman, as just a human being in the world, this is going to be the biggest challenge (laughs) and, uh, the biggest accomplishment of, of my life. And once, once I can experience motherhood, I, you know, I think it'll be just icing on the cake of, of, uh, of my life. I'm really excited. And then, 
once that's over with, you know, I'll get back to bodybuilding. I'm sure <laughs> it is, <laughs> I, I do miss it, you know, and we've been off birth control for a year and a half. So I haven't competed getting that lean. Isn't always the best thing for your hormones as a woman, but, um, I do miss it. And so I'm kind of letting my body, uh, accomplish things and do things that it, it never has before. And it's, it's been a wild ride so far. So. Well, definitely praying for you for a smooth pregnancy. And then you, you have that son or daughter that will watch you and your husband do fitness things, whether it be bodybuilding or running a race or whatever else. And, and be that example, maybe that you didn't have growing up. And, and, uh, you know, I think going through all this adversity that you've gone through and can uh, teach a lot of lessons to others, but taught a lot to you too, that like, you know, you were able to overcome. And, um, so, and not make excuses like, okay, well I'm poor, so I'm just going to stay in this situation or I don't have any examples. So, um, but you know, it, it's, a it's a, it's a good lesson for life. So we wish you guys uh, all the best Angie and we'll uh, direct people to angels of a America's fallen to, to support that cause. And, uh, I wish you all the best. I, you know, I've got a marathon coming up in Vegas, so, you know, you guys should come out and run it with me. Right. You know, you, you can <laughs> run a marathon in a few, right. Hey, look, <laughs> any excuse I have to go to Vegas, I'm down. And that sounds like a great reason for me. <laughs> I do want to add real quick before, before we finish, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. Is that if anyone wants, if anyone has a question for me, I uh, open myself up. My Instagram is MS Angie May, A-N-G-I-E-M-A-Y. Um, and then I'm Angie May on Facebook. Feel free to re reach out, ask me questions, ask how you can get involved um, with other areas of angels. Just kind of want to give my point of contact um, out there to your listeners. Yeah. So Miss Angie May, that's easier than Angie D Dematia. <laughs> Dematia beef. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully everybody enjoyed uh, the inspiring conversation. And uh, we wish you all the best in 2023. Thank you so much, Jason. And good luck to everyone out there. So again, uh, check her out, Angie May on social media and uh, to ask her questions and learn how to get involved with uh, Angels of America's Fallen, such an important organization helping Gold Star families, um, the children and loved ones, family members of those who have lost, have been lost in war, sacrificed, uh, made the ultimate sacrifice for us, for our freedom. And, uh, you know, back in 2012, and some of the story that maybe that Angie didn't tell was that she first joined the Georgia National Guard as an enlisted truck driver assigned to a unit so she could be close to her uh, ailing mother. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's pretty cool, her story of triumph. Uh, now that she's in her you know mid to late 30s, grew up really poor, like you said, in Phoenix City, Alabama. If you don't know where that is, that's East Alabama, right next to Columbus, Georgia, where she ended up uh, living for a while and uh, as a, a group fitness uh, and fitness coach and helping people with bike riding and Ironman and fitness goals and running some marathons herself, like the one here in Columbus, Fort Benning, uh, the Soldier Marathon. And uh, so involved in a lot of different things in this area, just south of Atlanta. And one other thing I found in my research about her, about um, Angie, is she likes to recite a quote on, uh, on goals. 
uh, from a Buddhist teacher that once told her, you just need to be yourself, but be all of you. That's good. good lesson. Uh, no matter what you believe in terms of your faith, Buddhism, or whatever else, um, it's a good lesson in terms of, you know, this new year. We're still about a week and a half now into 2023. Uh, just be yourself and be be all of you. Just kind of don't, don't uh, you know, don't uh, try to tamp part of yourself down because you don't think people are going to like it or whatever. So be, be all of you and, and be proud of it. Be comfortable in your own skin. And speaking of that, um, you know, I talked on my last episode, if you want to check it out, uh, it was one of those quicker food for thought episodes last uh, Friday night, Saturday morning that came out, where I talked about uh, just, you know, if you fail and fall short already, maybe of your goals, it's okay. Get back up and dust yourself off and go at it again. And that can be said with a lot of things in life, you know, faith, fitness, your job, whatever else. And I gave you some of my goals for the new year, my uh, I don't call them resolutions, but my goals for the new year in terms of uh, my family and and uh, you know Bible reading and running and uh, just to get a little more specific, I did sign up actually for a few challenges. One was free that it's through a local big dog running Columbus Road Runners organization, and it is uh, it's the it's a streak I guess it's 365 days, so every day of the year you run at least a mile. So I've still got a streak going from last June, so I'm going to try to keep that going. But another one I signed up for uh, that I paid for was through Project 42 Running, and it's the 12 Months of Mary Miles Challenge. You like that, the name of that, right? Uh, well, uh, it's something different every month. So I'm going to give you a little kind of, maybe this will be something to motivate or inspire you, something you can do uh, on monthly challenges. In January, you run, walk, hop, skip, or jump one mile every day. You get extra credit if you hop. February, run a 5K, live or virtual. March, run a trail race, live or virtual. April, complete four four-mile runs. And then in the month of May this year, log 100 miles. And uh, so thankfully for me, I've, I've been able to do that pretty easily. In fact, I logged more than 200 miles last month. Uh, to God be the glory for that and getting through and not being injured. Uh, then June this year, run six runs of six miles or more. July, race a 10K. Uh, the peach tree has maybe inspired that. And then in August, eight runs in eight different places in your town. They require selfies for that, for this 12 months of Mary Miles Challenge. September, one run of 10 miles or more. October, run a 5K or more under the full moon. Got to have a selfie for that too. That'll be a, that'll be a fun one uh, come uh, near Halloween time. November, run any distance at the Fountain City 5. Uh, they've got five different choices there from 5K all the way up to 50K. And then December, dress for success holiday run. So uh, have some fun with that one. Uh, and they need proof. So uh, looking forward to this challenge for this year. Going to make running uh, fun along with doing the marathons in different states. And I'll be telling you about uh, my Vegas experience uh, at the end of this month. Uh, looking forward to that. Closing out now in prayer. Dear God, just thank you for this opportunity to talk about um, just the military military and talk about um, sacrifices made by so many people for us. And uh, we just thank you, Lord, for um, the protection you give us on a daily basis. And uh, we pray for this new year that you will help us uh, to do your will and to to grow spiritually and physically and with our family and our jobs that uh, we will uh, look to you for guidance and wisdom on what to do um, and, and, and the steps to take. Um, and uh, to, to make ourselves better people uh, while we're here on this earth, Lord God. And uh, we just thank you for all that you do for us, that uh, we, uh, we, we thank you, we thank God 
for last year, and we trust God, trust you for this year. Uh, that's what we're going to do. We're going to trust you and and learn more about you and in and, and our relationship with you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, thank you so much again for joining us for uh, Run the Race and great conversation again with Angie Demedia uh, Veith. Uh, she uh, really opened up about a lot of uh, different topics. And so I uh, recommend this to other uh, folks to listen to. Uh, we're on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher. We're on Apple. Again, if you're on the Apple uh, little purple uh, app on your uh, iPhone, make sure to go to the Run the Race podcast. Go to the bottom of those episodes and, and click on it and give me a five-star review. Give me a few sentences. What you like, don't like, you know, be completely honest. I'd love to hear from you and uh, any ideas you have as well for uh, this podcast. We're going to have some great guests coming up in the next few weeks and months uh, talking about uh, inspiring things related to faith and fitness. So you don't want to miss that. Y'all have a blessed day.